If you would this morning, turn with me again to Exodus, this time chapter 2. Now we're not going to go through Exodus systematically, but we will be here for at least one other Sunday. Um, I enjoy preaching out of the Old Testament primarily because not many people do. <laughs> um, if you know me at all, I kind of like to swim upstream most of the time. So if uh, the, the big thing and the easy thing to do is preach from the New Testament, I like to go old uh, just for the fact of, of that. <laughs> it doesn't get talked about much. Um, and in Exodus 2, remember last week we talked about leaving a legacy. And we looked at two women. Um, from the scripture who uh, did exactly that. They left a legacy. Whereas the king here is not even mentioned. They are mentioned by name. Shifra and Pua. So who are two midwives. Either they're Egyptian midwives or Hebrew midwives. And this morning I want to look at two other women who um, also decide to follow God and be obedient. Read, Read along with me here in Exodus 2. Uh, starting with verse 1. <clears throat> now a man from the house of Levi went and <clears throat> took as a wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. <clears throat> when she could hide him no longer, she took him for a basket, or sorry, she took uh, for him a basket made of bulrushes. And daubed it with uh, bitumen and pitch. Tar, really. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Uh, Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. While her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman. And she took it. Uh, When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Uh, Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, because, she said, I drew him out of the water. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that Your Word is holy, it is living, it is powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord. It, it, it can divide our very person in a way that shows us where we need to repent, shows us uh, the, our direction in life, what direction You have for us. So this morning, Lord, would You show us that direction? Would You pierce our own person this morning, by Your Word, so that we might repent, so that we might come to You, so we might trust You, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the message this morning is 
drawn out, as you see there in verse 10. Uh, That's exactly what Moses means. The term Moses actually means drawn out or to be drawn out. It's interesting, Moses' name, uh, we found correlations with it and Egyptian names. It's actually an Egyptian name. Uh, Ramses has the basic uh, letters that Moses has in his name in that name. So, you remember Ramses is a pretty important uh, pharaoh. So he's a very Egyptian name. He's obviously named by an Egyptian. It's fascinating here that Exodus really begins with a lot of women. As I tried to make a case last week, um, there's, there's a lot of activity of women here in both Exodus 1 and in Exodus 2. And you have here in Exodus 2, Moses' mother and sister who are two ladies who play a key part, obviously, in his survival. And of course, in the survival of even the Old Testament subsequently. In other words, because of their obedience, uh, we have what we have before us, which is the law of Moses. And again, his name literally means to be drawn out. So I want to take a theological uh, tack this morning on three ways that we are drawn out. So the first one is this. We are drawn out of sin. And this comes directly from Exodus. Uh, we're... This is what Exodus is about initially is they are in Egypt and Egypt from here on out in the Bible. This is something good to remember just as an interpreter. uh, From here on out, Egypt is going to represent in the Bible symbolically sin. In other words, do you want to go back to Egypt? Which is another way of saying, do you want to go back into sin or into idolatry? And when they start longing to go back to Egypt, God says, whoa, whoa, whoa. I delivered you from Egypt. This is not where you're, this is sin. This is not good. This is not the place for you to be. Instead, I have a promised land for you. So, the first drawing out that God wants to do, not just here in Exodus, but in our own life, is to draw us out of sin. And of course, we need this more than anything else. This is why forgiveness is key. Uh, God redeems us, and this is what is this is the new life. This is what uh, Brandon was talking about two weeks ago. If you want new life in Christ, you first have to be forgiven of your sins, justified before God. And this is exactly what God does here. You remember the story. Abraham, God comes to him, calls him. Isaac, he's the son of promise. Jacob, the son of promise. And then you get Joseph, who's not one of the sons of promise, but instead... Uh, still a very important figure because that's how they end up in Egypt. When they get to Egypt, they spend four, 400 years there, roughly, in Egypt. And they're multiplying. They're becoming a great nation, which was actually one of the promises, was it not, to Abraham? Abraham has promised many descendants. Remember what God says? Look at the stars, Abraham. That's how many descendants you're going to have. Can you count them? No. That's how many descendants you're going to have. Look at the sand. Can you count the sand? No, sir. Uh... That's how many children you're going to have. And so, 400 years they're multiplying in the land of Goshen, which is north in Egypt and kind of, kind of uh, eastern, northeastern. And so, they spend 400 years there. You have a 400-year gap between Genesis 50 and Exodus 1. 400 years we just don't know about. They're, all we know is that they were growing as a people, living there in the land. And then, of course, as we read last week and we rehearsed last week, they're getting oppressed. The Pharaoh comes down on them hard by putting them into slavery, by even making their slavery atrocious. 
And then not only that, killing babies. And then also, finally, just killing even born babies. So unborn babies, you kill them before they come out. And then born babies. He wants, he wants all the male ones to be killed. So now you have a mom who says, well, that's not right. Just like you had two midwives who said, that's not right. We're going to do the right thing. Here's a mom that says, no, that's not right. So she puts her baby in a basket. And it's a famous story. She puts him in a basket and sends him down a little ark, really, a little boat. And sends him down the river. She's, he's picked up by none other than one of the Pharaoh's uh, sisters. And she then is, uh, she's one of the princesses, obviously. Um, and so he, is, he becomes a prince. Uh, sorry, a daughter of Pharaoh, not, not one of his sisters, but a daughter. And she's in the river bathing with her young women. She sees this little ark and she picks it up and it's Moses, little baby Moses. He's in there. And of course, she doesn't have any um, nursing abilities because she didn't just give birth. And lo and behold, who presents herself other than uh, this little girl who is Moses' sister? And she says, look, my mom, she's a nurse. And by nurse, they meant uh, wet nurse, I guess is the proper term for that. Uh, someone who can, can breastfeed. And so Moses is given actually back to his mom uh, in order to be breastfed by him and then given back to the princess. And so then, of course, the story continues here. Moses is raised up in all the ways of Egypt. So he's educated at the University of Egypt, so to speak. And then uh, he kills a man uh, after he sees them fighting. He flees for 40 years. Then God brings him back. And he leads the people out of Egypt. Now, this, this is the story that we're all familiar with from Sunday school. But notice again Moses' name. Moses' name means to be drawn out, right? Which is exactly what his calling on his life is. That doesn't work out for all of us. You know, some of our names mean some weird things. Uh, like one, one meaning of my name, Marshall, is um, like horse gatherer. Now, I don't own any horses, so I guess I'm a failure according to my name. Uh, or horse attendant or something like that. Um, you know, so some of our names uh, we don't really live up to. Moses' name, however, to be drawn out, well, this is his mission in life. He is to draw out of sin, out of Egypt, the people of God. It's what his mission is. So, his, uh, his name and his mission are one, and it's what his, his job is, is to be about. Um, and, and what Exodus records in the subsequent pages here is that act of deliverance, that drawing out. God draws them out, as you know, by ten signs, ten plagues against Egypt. Uh, really to destroy the gods of Egypt. And we could get into the history of, of when that happened and how that happened, but it's, it's fascinating here that this is an act of deliverance. Exactly what God wants to do in our life. The first thing God wants you to do in your own personal life, if you've never done this, is He wants to draw you out of sin. Sin, just like Egypt, binds us. It is a bad master. It's not a good master. It's a master that puts a weight on us that we can't bear. It wants nothing else other than to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what sin wants to do. That's what Egypt wants to do. Living in Egypt means death. Means means your children are going to be ripped away. It means that your children are going to be affected. And and the the dirty secret about sin, so to speak, is that sin never just affects you. It'd be nice if it only affected me. 
but it affects everybody else in my life. And that's the, that's the atrocious thing about sin. Is when I sin, I'm affecting my children. I'm affecting Jessica. I'm affecting you. You're affecting me. This thing is a mutual... We live in a world that is constantly being affected by decisions that people are making. And two people here in Exodus 2 decide to do what is right. Not go the way of sin. And instead, God is able to then use their decision, who is to save Moses, the one drawn out, to draw them out. They get delivered because of obedience. And that's what God is trying to teach us in the Old Testament, is if we obey, blessing. If we disobey, cursing, death. Go back to Psalm 1. The way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. There is no other way. Two ways. One is blessing, the other is not. And so He delivers them. He sets them free in Exodus and sends them to a new land. This is exactly what's happening. Not to an old land. And look, God in your own life, in my life, He saved us in this room. I know uh, you guys here, it's not like we have a big crowd of lost people today. No, God delivered you out of your Egypt. Whatever Egypt you were, you were bound in. We've all felt that slavery on us. The slavery of sin. And it is a hard master. And yet He delivered us. Don't go back to Egypt. Don't go back to your Egypt. Don't go back to that bondage. Remember, they get out in the wilderness later and they're talking about, oh, we had it better in Egypt. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Their new master, their new king, is a better king. He's always good. The second thing, not only are we to be drawn out of sin, but we're also to be drawn out of self. This is seen in the wilderness. So you move from Egypt to the wilderness, and the wilderness is what I call a proving ground. You know, I know some of our engineers aren't necessarily here this morning, but when they build something conceptually on paper, then it has to be built in an industry, and then it's shipped out to a proving ground, where it's actually proven to be and do what they designed it to be and do. In the same way, we are going to be tested. We are going to go into the wilderness. In order to get to the promised land, you got to go to the proving ground. The proving land. This is what the wilderness shows to us. Even in Exodus, as they move into Numbers, as they move into as you move into Deuteronomy and get a rehearsing of what happened in the wilderness, we see that it was a proving ground. You've now been delivered. Now you're my people. So be my people. It's some, it's kind of like something I tell Jackson. Well, I tell all of them, but I mainly tell Jackson because he's intellectual already. <clears throat> I tell him, I say, Jackson, you are a good boy. So be a good boy. You see the connection between the two? Just like what Paul says to us. He says, you are children of God. So be children of God. Act like children of God. He's saying, you're a dag, son. You're a Christian. So act like it. Sometimes we need that little kick. 
Because when we're in the proving ground, when we're in the game, so to speak, it's time to perform. It's time to act. And we need that reminder of who we are. It's it's why they have a halftime. Teams get in there. You are the saints. You are the Packers. You're not some podunk high school team. Get out there and act like it. Sometimes we just need encouragement. And so what I'm doing today is I'm saying, look, God wants to draw you out of yourself. You guys all know that a team plays better as a team rather than individuals. Which is why you can't focus on yourself. It's the number one rule in sports. Don't focus on yourself. If you want to perform great today, focus on the other guy. In the military, don't try to just protect yourself. Do your job. Work for the guy next to you, not just for yourself. It's the law of not only the land, but it's the law of God. It's what God Himself does. He gives of Himself. He doesn't focus on Himself. So so not only be drawn out of sin, but what you're going to come to find and what all of you guys have come to find in your own Christian life is is this principle. You're forgiven of your sin. You're you're free to serve God. And we all know that freedom in, in Jesus Christ. But then you find something else at work in you, do you not? There's this principle that still doesn't really want to go God's way. Yeah, I know you did all this good stuff for me. I know you delivered me. And I know you forgave me of sins that I should be damned to hell for. I know I'm free, but I still don't really want to go that way. Is not this what happened in Exodus? They're freed. He delivers them with these mighty signs. Parts the, parts the waters. They walk through. Provides food for them. Provides water for them. Then they get to the promised land. Oh yeah, we can't do that. Oh, do you not remember? No, we can't do that. You come off this, really? No, sorry, not big enough. Okay, you'll die in the wilderness then. And hopefully, your sons and daughters they will believe me, and trust me. It's fascinating, and yet, do we not find that same principle here? I know I do. We must be then delivered, not just from sin, but from ourself. God must do a sanctifying work where He kind of wrings out of our soul, ourself, (laughs) a focus on us. And if He hasn't done that wringing out, that is sanctification. The way you could explain it is like this. They were out of Egypt, no doubt. They weren't in Egypt. But what God was trying to do next was get Egypt out of them. That's what He has to do for all of us. We're delivered from sin, and yet He's trying to get sin thinking out of us. It's that sin mentality. It's the things that we just go to by nature. And He's saying, no, no, no. You have a new nature now. You have a new spirit at work in you. Don't think that old way. Let me whittle that away in this proving ground. In this testing ground. And it'll hurt sometimes when he's whittling stuff away. But what is going to be left is going to be beautiful. And it will stand. If you'll let him whittle away and burn away the dross. The husk. 
No one eats the husk of the corn. He eats the corn. And sometimes he has to... Sanctification is him peeling back these layers of husk, chaff. Forgiven, yes. But now we move into sanctification. He's, as, as, as Rachel just prayed this morning, He wants to make us holy. He doesn't want any of Egypt left in us. They're out of Egypt physically, but it's still their, men, their, their thinking. Uh, that's what happens at, the, uh, at Mount Sinai, right? Moses up there. Boy, he's been up there a long time. We're kind of we're hungry. It's dangerous in the wilderness. Who, who's going to save us? Well, let's set up two idols and call them Yahweh. Let's set up an, a golden calf and call it Yahweh and, and bow down and worship. I mean, to be honest, they still called it Yahweh. They were trying to worship one God just in an idolatrous form. And God says, no, 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 you, don't, I, I, you can't make an idol of me. There is no representation of me. Which, of course, is the second command. <laughs> Yes, we always say, jokingly, Moses is the only one who ever broke all Ten Commandments at once. You know. <laughs> um, you may have broken them at different times, but he broke them all at once. <clears throat> no, that's funny, but anyway. Um, Reminds me of me. The third thing, yes. <laughs> the third thing, not only are we drawn out of sin and drawn out of ourself, but the last thing is, and this is really our mission as a church, is He wants to draw out sinners from us. In other words, He wants us to be about drawing out sinners. Calling them by name. Moving to be a witness to them in, in your workplace, in your school. When you go out to eat. Here at this church. We are called to witness to sinners, to draw them to God. I mean, it's, it's what Israel was set up to do. They were elected as the people of God, not because they were the smartest, not because they were the best looking. I mean, that's two things that people don't think when they think Jewish. Not to make fun of them, but it's just they've never been looked at as the smartest people, the most philosophical people, the sharpest looking people. And you know what? God called them. Why? To be a light to the nations. That's why. That was His one reason for electing them as the people of God. It wasn't for their own personal salvation. They were already redeemed. He elected them so that they might be a light. Remember what Jesus says when He comes and ascends the mountain just like Moses did and preaches. He says, be salt and light. We are called to be light to everybody around us. And I know you got, I mean, to encourage you all, I know that you're doing that. I mean, we heard Rachel this, this week at Thursday Night Prayer Group um, telling us how she wants to be at her work a light, but she feels like there's already a lot of light there. You know, and I, I felt, I mean, I, I really appreciate that kind of mentality of looking for ways to be a light to people, looking for ways to add salt, flavor, God's flavor to people's lives. I mean, that's the mission of not only our church. I was reading an article um, this week without getting into it 
I thought to myself after reading it, we are not called to outsource our own personal mission to witness. It's not the church's job. It's not the government's job to feed the poor. It's my job. If I have a problem with abortion, it's my job, first and foremost. That's where the change occurs. If I say, oh, the church needs changing, or oh, we need to do this different, or oh, we need to do that, that's on me, first and foremost. We are all, what does the Bible say? A kingdom of priests? It's not just up to the pastor. It's not just up to the president. It's up to us. What are we doing for the sake of the gospel this week? You'd be surprised how much a phone call can mean to somebody. How much a card sent can mean to somebody. How much just buying somebody's meal for lunch could mean to them and having a chat with them. Somebody from work. A friend you haven't talked to in a while. Or somebody that's not sitting here that should be sitting here this morning. There are things that we can do. Simple things. Not profound. You don't have to go read four books this week and do a dissertation to go share the gospel. No. Share your story. Let God in your life draw out sinners. Because look, just as you were drawn out of sin, of self, He wants to now through you draw out other people. It's an amazing calling that has been laid on us. It's what it means to be the elect of God. And I know all of you have have shared with me individual stories of your witness. And I I so appreciate that. I really do. And I, I just want to encourage you to keep on. I know that times can get dark. That sometimes people can be rude. But you just keep blowing light in their life. You just keep letting God... Shine through you, just like I was explaining to Jackson them about the moon. We don't have any light without the sun. S O N. We got to first be absorbing His life each day if we're to ever effuse that kind of light. As I prayed a moment ago, we're we are blessed so that we can be a blessing. That's what was told of Abraham. God said, I am blessing you, Abraham, so that you can be a blessing. Not blessing you so you can get you know, fat and sassy. You know. No, I'm blessing you so that you can bless other people. Just like he did Melchizedek, by the way. He meets Melchizedek, he gives him a blessing. It's not about us. Has God drawn you out of sin? Don't go back. Some of you, he, he drew you out of dark sin. Don't go back. And then don't be self-absorbed. It's the thing that you find at work in you even after you're saved, after you give your heart to God. Crucify that. That must be crucified. And then let Him use you to draw out sinners. It's what Exodus is about. It's exactly what God's doing back then. It's exactly what God's doing today. He wants to redeem you. He wants to reveal Himself to you. And He wants you to be a witness, a light. Let Him do that. Amen.